Welcome to the Serious Social podcast, created by the straight-talking social media experts at Immediate Future. In this episode of Serious Social, Katie Howell is joined by Ian MacArthur from Sagittarius Agency to examine the latest report on the insurance industry, sharing why behavioural surges, changing triggers and rollercoaster emotions matter to all marketeers. Welcome to uh, Serious Social Live. Um, it's easy to get focused on your own brand and market when it comes to social and search. After all, with endless changing algorithms, you need to be paying attention. But every now and then, it's good to look up and see what's happening in other industries. Often you spot opportunities, you can develop, or more importantly, you can learn to look at your own marketing through a really different lens. We've picked the insurance industry today, and I am joined by the wonderful, let me add him, Ian MacArthur. Hi. Hi, how you doing? Good, good. Um, Ian and I uh, put together a, a report, um, Ian's from Sagittarius Agency, and we co-wrote our latest report looking at what the data tells us about consumer behaviour, as well as how the big 10 insurance companies compare. The reason we chose the insurance market is because it's a challenging category. It's hyper competitive with large established brands, comparison sites and a plethora of new disruptive challenges. More importantly, it's an industry under more customer scrutiny than most, where cost can be a single trigger for purchase and where the last few months have seen massive changes in audience behaviour. So let's start with these behavioural changes, because what's clear on social is that we're not really talking about the typical trending topics, the things that we've gotten used to following and uh, creating content for. For instance, whilst 14% of conversations mentioned COVID and insurance, the rest actually focused more specifically on pandemic issues, such as changes to travel plans and an interest in health insurance. In fact, these are more akin to surges, a snowballing of behavioural change triggered not just by social media content, but by government announcements and a desire for more ethical or sustainable businesses and personal circumstances like finance, which are really important at the moment. Ian, it isn't just a change in pattern for social, though, is it? No, I I think we've seen um, similar patterns in search, too, and I think... To a degree, that's in line with expectation, but the channels get used very, very differently. So I think um, although they kind of come together and combine in terms of being a a major source when it comes to checking facts or courting opinion, in most cases, if you look at search, what you see is what I call the selfish gene. um, And that plays that plays out immediately after things like press conferences and breaking news. So although real feelings are displayed in social, potentially immediate action plays out in, in search and most people kind of translate what they hear into how it affects them directly. Um, and therefore, if it comes to things like, I don't know, legal clarification, definition of certain phrases, then you can see search spike. Um, whereas if there's no immediate fa- effect for them as individuals, and perhaps it's something more like a, a societal issue, for instance, then you see a slower research phase. And then social absolutely is the, is the core influence. Search kind of pales into the background. And then perhaps when search behavior does come in, um, it's not traditional kind of Google style stuff. It's search that jumps directly into a content channel where people are perhaps looking looking directly in YouTube uh, and, and finding out information in that way. Yeah, so so it's uh, interesting times, I think. 
And, and it feels similar for both channels then, doesn't it? In that, although they're, they're sometimes in and out of sync with each other, there's, there is impact, which we know search and social are bedfellows. Um, but, but, it does feel like there are bigger forces at play. We, we use lots of Brandwatch data, and according to their Consumer Insights tool, almost 47% of consumers want to see diversity in leadership and management. 29% want companies to show support for causes in their social media, and 45% want to see businesses supporting local and national community initiatives. So it's, it just isn't enough to talk the talk you have to kind of do. Um, and that, that seems really significant right now. So before I kind of get onto the, the rest of the kind of behavioral stuff, there's one aspect of insurance that is not necessarily unique, but is a hard fact. And that's, let's not ignore the fact that insurance, like many products, is price sensitive. <laughs> it's not a luxury. It's a necessity. It comes as no surprise then that, you know, things like Brownwatch Curiously data shows that a third of the UK now intend to spend less on insurance. How how does price impact search? Yeah, well, I think it's interesting the way that you, you, you frame that because I think what people are look, looking for potentially is value and we perhaps read that as price perhaps. So, so whereas price used to be a shortcut and obviously that's the basis for all comparison sites, um, obviously, features and benefits play a part in that race, but the model relies on two things, really. It, it relies on a, that you have a limited understanding or appreciation of, of the deeper value, and you have a limited time to investigate and negotiate. That's, that, that's how that whole piece works. So although people are kind of experiencing the pandemic in different ways, and that might be kind of the limbo of furlough, um, desperation of redundancy, or even kind of a simple new life working from home, what you see is a common thread where everybody has more time. And that's time to consider an insurance company's offer and what it means to them in the context of, you know, a reducing need to use their car, for instance, or time to consider their own mortality. And, and, and ultimately, time to work out what fits best with them as people and what fits their pocket. So that's where the price bit kind of comes in. And what we see is that that translates into a lot of search act activity around reputation, educational content, and all of that then supports the price point. But price is no longer in isolation. Uh, again, so that's kind of very interesting and, and connects directly to the research, I think. Uh, I, yeah. Uh, do you know what? <clears throat> I'd forgotten, of course. I'm thinking when people have more time, they spend more time on social. But, of course, they spend more time on search <laughs> and researching. It's just me and my, my lens, just looking through my lens. Um, so search and social are not always interconnected. I talk about those being bedfellows, but they're not always really interconnected with each other. Um, and actually, we see a sign of this. Um, which is useful for us as marketeers to remind ourselves that we need to double check our data sometimes. So we saw in, in search this spike um, during lockdown of healthcare mentions, so healthcare insurance and life insurance spiked up, um, with mentions increasing 51% in July, just to give you an idea that when I say spike, I mean spike. Um, <clears throat> but it wasn't the case in search. No, absolutely. And, and the results were quite different. And I think what Again, they're, they're con kind of connected to, to human behaviour, obviously. So you get a sense of urgency level around, around, around a particular subject. So for health insurance, we suspect that people like to get a sense of other people's experiences and piggyback on that deeper research done by others. And therefore, it's a huge conversation piece. And, and, and we know that that can play out in social. Um, what, we, what also is true is that you gain kind of more insight from asking on social um, 
instead of diving into search, if you think about what that might feel like from a personal experience, it doesn't take much thinking for me to think I definitely would want to talk about that on social before I kind of dive into search. Um, so I think search is useful if you want to kind of shortlist um, leading brands. And I think therefore search is quite powerful. So therefore the brand piece comes to its fore. Um, but I think the moment you ask about quality and almost like, so who are the best companies? Then you see search kind of plummet to a 20th of the size. And because that's, that, that, that's really because that question is definitely being asked on social and not in search. And that's where the two channels kind of part on the, and the data, you know, it looks very, very favorable for social search kind of paled into insignificance really. So is it, is it an indicator or is it just a divergence? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, yeah, I, 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 it's one of those things where if you mapped out, uh, if you mapped out uh, almost a human journey and the emotional curve that people go through when they're considering different things, including insurance, you can sort of map against that when they would revert to particular channels. Obviously, search and social are easily the most, the, the two most powerful. But um, sometimes those two absolutely track alongside each other. And sometimes they split because you get an order of priority. Um, yeah. So, so it's probably both of those things. I know that's a rubbish yeah. answer. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, I want to talk about emotional because because we're used to you know as you say value and it's it feels sometimes that insurance is actually quite transactional in its in its its approach but actually it's quite being it can be quite emotional it's been very emotional the last few months we've seen a real roller coaster of rants that include anger and sadness for instance at not being able to travel even though that's got nothing to do with the insurance companies (laughs) you know it's kind of impacting the conversations but they are dying down now uh who knows with tier three and two coming along whether or not they'll pick up again but but in reality that the, there isn't quite so much but what's been really really weird and maybe this accounts and i've just thought of this now maybe this accounts for the fact that people are spending more time doing research is an expression of joy joy with insurance i just it was slightly unexpected <laughs> just, yeah, yeah maybe not me maybe just katie is the one that isn't joyful about her insurance um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, to, to your point, I think the good news travels fast. So we know that only 4% of unhappy customers will actually tell a brand that they're unhappy via reviews and social feedback. A lot of people don't think about that. But 90% of people, if they hate the experience, they just won't tell you. You just won't You just won't retain them as a customer. They're never coming back. And that's quite difficult to kind of analyze. So if you, if you see how, many, how small the number of people is that actually complain, um, and, and what we see with the good news thing is that actually wise decisions can kind of be framed as part of a kind of a narcissistic urge. So actually, if I make a really good decision when I engage with a brand, perhaps I want to talk about it. Perhaps it makes me look good. Um, and it's very similar to the kind of fake news phenomena in the sense that positive stories travel something like six times further. Weirdly, I'm not sure if people just like good news, I suppose. Um, and, and often great CX plays a key part in that and can make all of the difference. So so audiences are far more likely to shout about good deals, quick claims and extra benefits um, that come along with a with a with an insurance purchase. Um, if actually you've kind of harnessed that momentum and, and you've ensured that the overall experience encourages them to to kind of become ambassadors and rewards them for that. And if a brand can find creative ways to support and amplify that, then that good news turns into a really, you know, a really positive brand halo. So I, I, I love the, you know, the idea that people are joyous about insurance. Yeah. 
And also, it is, as you said, it's the advocacy. And brands really need to start to look at this because it is a trend we're seeing right now. The pandemic has accelerated a lot of unusual behaviours, but also a need to be quite positive. And the power of recommendation is growing exponentially. We We took a look at insurance brands on social uh, to see how you know the big the big big insurance brands. Uh, we looked at the top ten. Said you know how are they being talked about? What what are they being discussed? And and in particular, you know how many how much are they being talked about? Well, their social mentions or what you'd call share of voice. Just as a temperature check, it's, I would not advocate this as a mass way of measuring your branding and your activity on social. But it's a really good temperature check. What was really interesting is the big A's all kind of had it with Admiral Aviva and AXA absolutely knocking pretty much everybody else out of the park. What was super interesting, Admiral, who does extraordinarily well on social, really steps in front, again, with share of positive sentiment. In the last month, 61% of posts were identified as being positive. None of the other brands achieved such monumental advocacy. Yeah. Why I, I, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, go, go. Oh, sorry. I think it goes beyond the advocacy, um, and I think you see that reflected in the in, in their kind of their digital footprint and their customer experience. So the, the four A's or the big A's, um, they take the time to identify pain points and pin, pinch points as part of their conversion rate optimization, and it helps them build better journeys ultimately. And that f- that kind of smooth, frictionless flow is perfect fuel for social. So it takes the pressure off marketing to be more simple. Uh, perhaps more honest, more memorable. And then that combination gives room for more innovation. And that's interesting as well. Then that attracts PR. And then that's more likely to spin out into social. And the circle continues. So that's why they perform so well. And, and um, you know, I kind of tip my hat or whatever the yeah. phrase for them because they, 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 they've got it really sorted. And, and other brands could easily look to that. You could ignore them because they're so big and just think, well, they've got different budgets and different customers and things are different from them. But actually, I think there's loads to learn. Yeah, there is. They did some very clever, fast moving things right at the beginning. And it's uh, one of the things is that's very clear. The top brands align with very clear messaging. They push their kind of fairness in pricing and behave with a kind of pay it forward attitude. I mean, Admiral helped key workers when the insurance claims were made, for instance, or offered refunds on car insurance during lockdown. I mean, it was just really smart, quick moves. And don't, don't get me wrong. I know it costs, (laughs) but in terms of the value back and the loyalty that you see on social, it'd be really interesting to have them on and have a chat to them about how that translates uh, into into repeat or renewals. So emotional content like this will make you more memorable and more likely to be shared. It will be relatable and fun and entertaining if you want to kind of grab that share of voice. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that the content needs to feel consistent and it needs to feel cohesive. You know, we, as marketers, we would, we would obviously say that, I suppose. But if an insurance brand has 10 to 15 key touch points, let's imagine, in, in, in its journey, and the data shows that this can be consumed in a number of ways, number of orders, things get quite complicated. Um, but the technology is there to support you. So if you're using a, a, you know, a DXP, a digital experience platform, like something like Sitecore, then those routes in and the unique prospecting that happens – that kind of trigger personalization opportunities. And I think that's key. We, we as individuals, we often don't see it, um, 
but very much in the kind of content terms, that might be very different for de- very different people whilst being consistent, you know, much like we experience Netflix. You know, my Netflix is nothing like your Netflix. Um, and I think social media sort of personalizes experiences better than any platform. And I think that website information architecture and the experiences that the, those brands, their kind of owned media, for want of a better phrase, they should they should kind of aspire to using soft data in that way. So some of the stuff that plays out in social and the way that you can tailor those experiences and have those conversations, they've got to think about their own assets in that way and, and use that kind of ethos to shape their own experiences. Yeah. Um, and uh, that, that's where I see the kind of uh, a great opportunity for, for brands. So, oh. Um, so I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's a it's a real it's a real challenge now um, for most brands. Um, but competition is hotting up, isn't it? Uh, uh, insurance companies need to improve their reputation. Uh, today's consumers don't want to be sold to. Uh, they only want to do their own research, as you said earlier, and they and they kind of want to own that journey themselves. They view insurance companies as skepticism and. Uh, again, the data shows that only 1.9% of of company uh, or consumers consider insurance a priority. Yeah, I think, and I, I think consumers want to engage on their own terms, as you say. It's all about trust, um, and of course, that means more fun, entertaining, informative, and creative content on social. And, and we've always said this, and I think COVID has kind of catapulted it. Authenticity is firmly back in the spotlight. So. Brands need to embrace their inner personalities. Tactical thinking is often stuck in an old world that I would call, you know, adaptations. So, you know, the TV ad that's just hacked about for various digital platforms to save money and time. But I think that the content needs to be unique. It needs to be relatable. It needs to be tuned into the passions and interests of the target audience, of course. And then if you craft it in a way that really suits the style of consumption in that channel. Um, And when it comes to search, that's got to be intent based and then kind of match directly to the core journeys through your CX. So search rankings are valuable, but the money and effort that you put into that rapidly goes down the drain if the next few clicks aren't aren't pleasurable. And I think two-thirds of an audience are attracted to your brand. They'll be gone in the first 30 seconds of landing on your site. So that experience is everything. And then if you think that a further 80 to 90% of them will leave during the buying process because of friction, you know, that's you know, in pounds or dollars, that's something like 10 times your eventual revenue. And I'm not sure that brands understand how much they're losing by getting that wrong. Do you know, uh, we see it from search, uh, from socials perspective as well, which is the failure often comes in performance as you kind of move through the journey. So you invest all this money or you focus all your efforts and getting to the top of the search engines or to get the most amount of awareness and attraction and intention out of social. social. And then they go to a landing. In fact, I did this the other day where I I saw this really interesting uh, product going, going live um, on a, on a sale uh, pre-Christmas sale. And, and, and I clicked on the link and it took me through to 100 million products. And I had to try and remember what bloody products I'd seen in the, in the feed in the first place. You know, and it's like, oh, you made that so difficult for me. You yeah. made that. Whereas if you, it was not a high price item, I might have bought that, but I couldn't be bothered yeah. to look through Some all brands, the products. Some brands do that deliberately. I see, a, you know, because I probably spend all my time doing this anyway as a job, but you see that deliberate thing where they either – it's either super pointy and they take you to exactly the thing that was in the image that you clicked on. And therefore it's like this seamless buying journey. 
And then in other places, they don't really want you to buy that thing. They were using that as a hook and they just want to show you the whole range. So it's deliberate. But yeah, I don't like it. I like to, if I saw a pair of trainers in a picture, then that's what I suddenly want to click on and buy. The faster yeah. I the better. But but some brands don't want don't want that. Oh, it'd be so interesting to find out whether or not it works or not. Whether that, you know, go wide and tempt you into something else, actually. It must do if people are using it. But my my purpose when we get to social is the frustration of, of sending people to landing pages, um, which actually have no relevance whatsoever. <laughs> you know, that happens a lot. Um, one of the things that, that happens when you look at an industry that is maybe aligned to yours or, or has nothing to do with you is that you often spot nuggets of opportunity that you that you suddenly realise are the same kinds of opportunities that might exist in your own spectrum or make you just think in a different way. So um, tell me, what do you, I know you, I'm cheating here because I know you found some, some really interesting golden nuggets of opportunity for the insurance companies. Yeah, I, I think that unsurprisingly, business insurance terms have been affected and, and you know, search around business interruption spiked hugely when, when full lockdown was announced. But what I think is, is perhaps more fascinating is that there's a real opportunity for insurance brands um, in terms of surges of new activity or, or, or alternative types of business um, or, or where traditional businesses have perhaps changed their business model or individuals are looking for new work because they're, they're, in, a, they're in a different situation. So you see stuff like tailored insurance for you know, couriers. If you think about how much food is now being delivered by perhaps what were traditional restaurants, all kinds of stuff going on, you're getting lots of insurance um, around home visiting hairdressers and even kind of artisan bakeries are now operating out of the owner's kitchen and therefore they need kind of different types of liability insurance. So things that were kind of perhaps cottage industries are now becoming big business and I think the insurance industry needs to follow that and pay very close attention to it. Um, definitely listen hard on social. You've got to keep, a, keep an eye on those search trends because we're seeing them all the time. Um, and then also, I suppose, take a step back and look at the packages that you offer in your portfolio and, and work out whether or not that's matched to the new normal because there's a, there's a huge opportunity and somebody's going to seize it. Yeah, and I think, I think that's really – one of the things is it's easy to skitter across the top lake of data and insight, and it's, it's only when you look for the sometimes the hypothetical um, – uh, and sometimes it's it's digging deep and going, what, the, what, what, why is this happening? And I think it's the same for search. It's looking always constantly, there's trends. Um, and with the, what we're seeing right now is the opening of smaller markets or smaller opportunities that you can fly into very quickly and fly back out of. And it could be, you know, simply, you know, clarity of message or it's a new product or a new way of, uh, people are talking about a product in a different language. These little tiny things are how we can optimize what are tighter and tighter budgets. Um, and in social brands that are kind of nailing it, but are very clear with those messaging and their simple and repeated sense of purpose. And more specifically, you know, those that notice what their audiences are asking for, the clarity around the policies 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 and the, how they reward their buyers so wow i think we've covered quite a lot and we can see that the insurance industry is maybe just not quite as boring 
thought it is actually it's super interesting and and in a way because it's quite a clear proposition it becomes quite easy to look at how audience behaviors change to look at how search is impacted by the environment and the and the situation we're in as much as just trying you know the fact that we have a renewal for insurance and 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 all those impacts that we we can see are things that we can translate into our own businesses if we're not in the insurance so look at you know one of the things that you want to do is is look at what we should be doing regardless of whether we're in the insurance industry and one is look beyond trends to consider how changeable environment issues are impacting behaviors because if you can spot the surge right at the beginning you can jump on that tail which is you know when people are looking for clarity i want to understand more more detail around my policy that going out with campaigns that do that might be might actually as you pointed out add the value that means the price becomes less sensitive the other is being agile around those roller coaster emotions. We are without a doubt going to have so many more. And as the nights darken and we go through all sorts of strange and wondrous things that the government makes us do, the, the reality is that emotionally we are impacted. But, you know, it, and, and, and that is leaking into the way that we talk about brands around us. Uh, more importantly, you'll find triggers that the increased brand favorability, connecting us on social and search and, and customer experience and making that journey as seamless as possible. So I don't think it's ever been more important because we're stuck in front of screens. And I think it almost, it's now incumbent on us to be more focused on the journeys that our customers are taking because tolerance for complex buyer journeys are just low and it will limit advocacy and recommendation. We need to look beyond price and offers, dig deep to find the nuggets of opportunity. It's time to be a bit more lateral in our comms. Uh, of course, then we have to also think about brand trust. And it is a key focus this year, without a doubt. And I think it's just everything that's going on. We we are suspicious and sceptical of everything in, in the world. So brand trust is really important. And, and that's with building reputation across all your channels. If you're after more know-how to break the social boring, subscribe now and check out the show notes for links to our website and social profiles.